Escape Pod, 399. June 6, 2013. My Heart is a Quadratic Equation. By Shane Halbach. Welcome to Escape Pod, your weekly science fiction podcast. I'm your editor, Norm Sherman. This week we bring you My Heart is a Quadratic Equation by Shane Hallbach. Shane lives in Chicago with his wife, two kids, and one nuisance cat, where he writes software by day and avoids writing stories by night. He's a knitter, blogger, guitar player, and budding accordionista, as well as a board and card game enthusiast. He can be found online at shanehallbach.com. Stories read to you by Christine Labonville, better known as her online moniker Evil Cheshire Cat, a tribute to her sense of sarcastically dark humor and toothy resemblance to the reimagining of the classic Wonderland character in American McGee's video game, Alice. She's done voice work and writing for skits and songs played on the now-retired comedy podcast, The Awful Show, and is the co-creator and former co-host of the podcast, Obviously Oblivious, a nearly four-year-running comedy podcast with a science twist. Christine has since retired from podcasting to pursue a doctorate in behavioral neuroscience. So sit back and get ready to meet your soulmate, because it's story time. Brian. So, uh, Chrysanthemum, what do you do? Science. You know, science stuff. I'm a scientist. That's not very specific. Well, it's kind of hard to explain, said Chrysanthemum. In words you'd understand, she added to herself. She used the lull in the conversation to take a pen out of her pocket. Idly, she doodled the inside of a hydrogen-powered rocket on a spare cocktail napkin. It was a nice restaurant. She'd give him that. He'd even ordered wine. Big spender. She added an extra fin to her schematic for stability. He broke the silence. Chrysanthemum is an unusual name. The chrysanthemum is in the Astraceae family and has been cultivated in Japan for over 2,000 years. Brian coughed and looked down at the table, quiet once more. Turn off the mouth, she thought. This is not how normal people talk. She stole quick glances at him, her eyes flicking back and forth between his face and the pen in her hand. He was clean cut, with short brown hair. By the way it was carefully styled, she guessed he didn't keep it short for the convenience, the way she kept her own black hair short. He was taller than she was, but then she was petite. His nose was a bit on the large side, but at least he seemed nice. It would probably be an adequate genetic pairing if she didn't mind inane small talk. He took a breath and waited in again. Have you always lived in the city? Yes, she replied glumly. This is intolerable. How do people do this? This time, the silence stretched on and on, like time in a black hole as it approached singularity. Her mind groped for something to say. I've created a nuclear-based energy weapon, she blurted out. Brian raised his hand. Check, please. Chris, honey, you just need to relax a little bit. Let things happen naturally. Mother, you know I hate it when you call me that. And I'm trying. 
You're a smart, capable young lady who can do anything if she puts her mind to it, but you're certainly not going to find someone in those petri dishes of yours. Don't I know it, thought Chrysanthemum. A small change in one gene has unintended consequences throughout the entire genome. Perhaps if I could just understand the structure of the... Don't let it bother you, sweetie. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Listen, let's just drop it. How's father? He's wonderful, dear. The folks at Sunny Outlook are just so good to him. Listen, remember that time you shut off the power grid for half the state? Anyway, my point is, you were always so good with computers. Have you tried an internet dating service? Chrysanthemum pushed up her glasses and rubbed the bridge of her nose. Chet. And the lady will have the lobster. Chet snapped shut his menu and handed it to the waiter without looking at him. He smiled smugly at Chrysanthemum and pretended to check the time to best expose his expensive watch. I never thought I'd wish I was allergic to shellfish, thought Chrysanthemum gloomily. So Chris, it's Chrysanthemum, she interrupted. His perfect teeth glinted. Indeed. So what is it that you do again? You're a secretary or something? Nurse? Chrysanthemum ground her teeth. I perform scientific experiments to gain insights into theories which I use to create devices to upset the current world order, by which I plan to create an opportunity wherein I can seize control. Mm-hmm, agreed Chet, checking his phone for texts. He's despicable, Chrysanthemum thought. Despicable and gorgeous. He'd get nowhere without that pretty face. I ought to replace it for him to teach him a lesson, although it would be a disservice to the eyes of women everywhere. I have a mind control device, she blurted out. All women do, Chet said and grinned at her suggestively. You took him home with you? Look, mother, a woman has needs. In this case, I needed a brain for my robot. Not that he provided much of one. Oh, honey, I am so happy for you. Do you think this could work out? Mom, I just told you the guy was a jerk. Don't say that, honey. There are redeeming qualities in everyone once you get to know them. Not this guy. I have him right here if you want to talk to him. I just have to hook up his voice circuits. It's probably a little too early for me to talk to him. Now listen, take things slow. You don't want to scare him off. Chet, too. Chrysanthemum finished lighting the candles in the middle of the table. She sat and poured wine into two glasses. The white tablecloth looked immaculate against the backdrop of the exposed steel and stone that made up her laboratory. Everything looks lovely, said Chet, too. This is the nicest date I've ever been imprisoned on. I could have just killed you, you know. I still might. Lucky for me, you have some kind of robot fetish. If that were true, I could have just programmed one. At least then I could force it to give me some respect. Chet, too, looked genuinely puzzled. Or at least a thoughtful-looking light bulb blinked on top of his bulbous head. Why didn't you, then? You obviously could have. Chrysanthemum sighed. I don't really want a robot. I want a partner. Someone with whom I can share things. Someone who can think. You're the closest I've got. Chet, too, made a sound between gears grinding and a snort. 
<laughs> Bullshit. You found me so irresistible you wanted to keep me forever. Forgetting himself in his smugness, Chetu raised his wine glass to where his lips ought to have been and smashed it against his oversized metal face. He was surprised, but he couldn't be hurt. Chrysanthemum watched the red wine stain the fresh white tablecloth. This is it, she thought. Rock bottom. Zero Kelvin. Albert. Your online profile said that you were interested in science? Asked Albert. He looked nervous. He was ridiculously overdressed for the casual neighborhood bistro they had chosen to meet at. He looked about as awkward and as out of place as possible. Everything about him practically screamed, I've never been on a date before. Chrysanthemum wondered if his mom had tied his tie for him. Actually, she felt bad for him. The only one I feel worse for is me. Look, Al, uh, uh, it's Albert, actually. He gave an embarrassed chuckle. Albert Einstein Berkowitz. Your parents actually named you Albert Einstein? Good God, that explains a lot. Further embarrassed by her incredulity, he settled back into silence. Chrysanthemum toyed with her water glass and avoided eye contact. Where the hell is the check? This has been even worse than I thought it would be. The clock slowed to a crawl. The tension in the air grew until you would have needed an industrial-grade laser to cut it. I have an invisibility field generator, Albert blurted out. Chrysanthemum looked at him. He didn't look like he was joking. What did you use to bend the light photons? Gravity. With a small nuclear reaction, I'm able to create a tiny gravity well. That's the easy part. Controlling it is much harder. Of course... The generator is much too big at the moment. I need to miniaturize the technology. Little by little, all of his awkwardness drained away, like debris falling out of orbit around a planet. It was like seeing a totally different person. Chrysanthemum found herself leaning toward him despite herself. What will you do with it? That snapped him out of it a little bit. Uh, you know, science stuff. Personal type stuff. He coughed and mumbled. You know, seize control of major governments and bend them to my will. That's not the worst idea I've ever heard. That inner fire was back on, shining out of his eyes. The politicians, they, they just get it so wrong sometimes. A single authority could affect so much change. Chrysanthemum broke in. The world is a terrible place. You'd be mad not to want to rule it. They were both leaning in across the tiny two-person table, their fingers touching. The rest of the restaurant was but a memory. Albert smiled appreciatively. You really get it, don't you? Most people misunderstand me sometimes. I, I don't give the correct first impression. Like when you're five and you see a Rubik's Cube for the first time and you think it looks hard. Chrysanthemum covered his hands with hers and whispered seductively, I solved it at three. Albert gulped and looked around frantically for the waiter. Not seeing him, they threw down some cash and they both stood. Chrysanthemum slid her hand into his, leaned close, and whispered, Your lair or mine. All over the city, scores of people dropped what they were doing and walked as one into the street. They trod on dropped groceries and packages and stepped around cars abandoned by their owners. The doors ajar, the motors running. They began to walk towards City Hall. 
Overhead, Chet Six screamed by, jets of flame shooting from his jetpack. Lasers lanced from his forearms, slicing a squad car neatly in two. Chrysanthemum and Albert monitored it all from a floating silver ship high above the city. The ship was an enormous dome as tall as a three-story building. Nobody marked its presence, however, because it was completely invisible. I love you, Albert. Albert turned to look at her from across the control room. He winked at her and blew her a kiss before turning back to the controls. His smile was like a liquid nitrogen cooling loop over her heart. Chrysanthemum smiled a smile of her own and flicked the safety away from the switch that would release a nuclear-based energy attack on several carefully selected targets. (sighs) For the first time in her life, Chrysanthemum felt at peace. That was our story. Hope you enjoyed. I've always thought that it would be really awesome to meet Einstein. For an eccentric, exceedingly brilliant scientist, he seemed like such a normal dude sometimes. If Einstein were alive today, I bet he'd listen to about 10 minutes of scientific breakthroughs before asking you to describe free online porn again. Am I right? Because even mad scientists have needs, as we found out in this week's story. Let's hit some episode feedback with assistant editor Nathan Lee. Take it away, Nathan. You will greet me in return when I say hello. You will nod in recognition when I tell you my name and title, Nathan and assistant editor, respectively. And you will reach for the skip button when you realize what that means now must happen. If you do not, you will listen to feedback for episode 395, Robot, by the incomparable Helena Bell. You will learn that many people enjoyed this story, though in many cases the second person was cited as a limiting factor, as was its length. You will appreciate the second person used well, and learn to tell the difference. Dem explains to you. So much of what's not said seems to drive this story. There's no big world-building, no tracts of description or dialogue to slot us into the context. We're dropped in without a parachute and left to struggle along with the narrator and trying to make sense of it all. Because of that internal, personal work, the creeping horror, the grudging gratitude filled with latent hostility, she chose this, after all, are much more ours than they would be in a conventionally written story. Later, capturing much of your opinion, Cutter McKay writes, As for the story, I really liked this one, and not only for the alien invasion, which was so subtle it was awesome, but for the picture it painted of the life of a bitter old woman without ever describing anything specifically to that point. The format was unique and strange, as others have said almost more poem than prose, but it worked here. I think listeners write that it was just a bit too long for its own good, and it's not a style I'd want to read or listen to on a regular basis, but right here, right now, I really liked it. You will attend to the forums, and read them, to see Helena discuss the story herself and answer questions from the audience. You will appreciate her conviviality, and will not ask her where she gets her ideas. You will feel a mixture of regret and aching relief as you realize we have reached the end of the feedback segment. You will sense the history of all the feedback segments that have come and the weight of those still ahead. You will... Stop! You will stop that! Put that down! No! No! Bad robot! Bad! Water bottle! Thanks, Nathan. All right, folks, that's our show this week. 
Be sure to tune in next week for Escape Pod's 400th episode. We've got a surprise lined up for you. A real doozy that you're gonna love. So be looking forward to that. Escape Pods, a production of Escape Artists Incorporated, and is brought to you with a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License, which means don't change, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. Our opening and closing music is used with the permission of Daikaiju. Check them out at daikaiju.com. And our closing quotation this week comes from none other than Albert Einstein, who said, When you're courting a nice girl, an hour seems like a second. When you sit on a red-hot cinder, a second seems like an hour. That's relativity. Relativity.